It was raining on the morning I set off for the army medical board, which had been set up in the town hall of my arrondissement. Guessing that the cloakroom would be inadequate, I had put on my oldest clothes, the dirtiest ones I had left. I anticipated the examination with some irritation. I was annoyed at the idea of having a fully clothed man assess me at his leisure when I was completely naked, and pass judgment on my anatomy, taking advantage of the subordinate position in which I was placed. How unfair it seemed that in such circumstances someone could demand so much from my body, a body that society usually insisted I keep hidden, and that no intellectual guile on my part would be of any help in the affair. Making judgments on such a basis was already quite enough to condemn the military system, in my opinion, and though I most certainly have no deformity, I was not quite sure that my body was perfectly proportioned, having never had it judged before, except rarely by women, who usually don't know much about such things, and I would have been offended if anyone had looked askance at it. I had always hoped that I could avoid military service and its insulting rules and regulations by some last-minute ruse. But on this December day, on the contrary, my only worry was that I might be turned down. The war was already a few months old, and I was beginning to fear that it might end before I got there. I saw war neither as a career nor an ideal, but as a show, in the same category as a motor race, an air display, or a sports match. I was full of natural curiosity, and since this war would be the most remarkable spectacle of the age, I would not want to miss it. The ceremony was quickly concluded, and the medical officers handled it with inattentive discretion. Their patriotism consisted of accepting every kind of body, puny or not, to feed the front. The only way to get a proper examination would be to announce your physical defects without embarrassment, and that would arouse suspicion. We had to undress in a cramped antechamber, bumping into each other's naked bodies, and it soon resembled a steam-bath. Then, rather awkwardly, we entered the gloomy room, its walls lined with shelves packed with box-files, where the medical officers waited, surrounded by their assistants, the town-hall clerks. My only wish was to get this cursory examination over with as fast as possible. When my name was called, I went under the height-gauge, and then quickly got on the scales. An army doctor read my form. Dartmont, Jean, one meter seventy-two, sixty-seven kilos. Is that you? Yes, sir. Fit for service. Next. I had to rummage through a heap of shoes and socks and shirts to find my clothes. Once dressed, I hurried out into the city, happy, and if truth be told, rather proud to be suitable material for a soldier, not to belong to that category of despised citizens in the prime of life who have stayed at home. Unwittingly, I was rather a victim of the general mood. Moreover, physical health had always seemed to me to be greatly desirable, and my own had just been confirmed by the medical officer's decision. I told my family the news, which they immediately and proudly circulated, thus gaining public esteem. I also told a young woman with whom I was sharing vain dreams of a future, but I discouraged her a little too tenderly. On a cold evening in December 1914, the conscript train deposited its cargo of young men at the garrison. We set off in a crowd for the barracks but the sentry would not let us in and summoned the NCOs. 
A sergeant and then an adjutant, alarmed by our numbers, ran off to alert a commandant, who soon appeared, not happy at the disturbance. "'What's going on here?' he inquired. "'Class fifteen has disembarked, sir.' "'What on earth am I supposed to do about it at six in the evening?' he said, cursing. "'We can always go away again,' suggested a voice at the back. "'Silence!' barked the sergeant. Hastily summoned, the barracks chief and the quartermaster declared that nothing was ready, since they had not been told of our arrival. There was no food, no mattresses, and no blankets. The major paused for thought, then resolved the situation without further ado. "'I don't give a damn,' he told the quarters. "'I want these men fed and bedded down within two hours. Jump to it!' And off he went. We exchanged comments. Seems an awful.